0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen and the church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen
1: Father, before we open this word today, I pray that you'll open our hearts. God, pour end our hearts, change our lives, and make us yours. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. We wanted to take just a moment today to be a little different than maybe we normally would be. I've worked very diligently over these many years to not shift our message. Our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. People must be born again. And we've worked in every season and every every period of time to try to do that creatively. Uh, we were going over some of the past messages, and I, I thought, well, that, we did that, and we did that, and we were even talking this last week. Uh, I don't know if any of you remember one time we, I preached an illustrated sermon uh, for the whole family, and we had a basket right here in the center of the stage, and while I was preaching, bread was bubbling out of the basket, and fish were flying up, and it was the multitude of the fish and the loaves. Anybody remember that? No, none of you remember that. I can preach it again. All right, good. All right, that's awesome. Some of you remembered. Okay. But uh, it was really cool, and, and and the people who were under there weren't cool. They were burning up. They were shooting that bread up, but it, it was a lot of fun. But uh we had a great time and uh, just so thankful that uh, we've been able to be creative. But this week, we were given another challenge. How do we address what's happening around the world? And what happens most of the time in a service is, you take just a moment, you pray your prayer, you pray for Afghanistan, and then it's kind of over. And I said, I'm not meaning in judgment of other churches, but, but I said, I don't think that's right. I don't think we should just pray a prayer and it'd be over. We did our part. How can we take this entire service and somehow focus on the persecuted church? Somehow focus on what's happening around the world, and and so we began to think about that for just a moment, and today we're going to talk about what's happening and what the cost of following Jesus really is, because sometimes following Jesus is going to cost you everything. But when we think about what God has done around the world, I, I think about uh, the different nations that have, have been called the Christian nations. When I say a Christian nation, obviously we we start pairing up. We have Middle Eastern minds of thought. We have Eastern minds of thought. We have we have Western. But but when I say Christian nation, what, now obviously what what some of the, the nations that history would call or, or secularly they would call the Christian nations. What what are some of those nations? What I mean, what's one of them? United States of America, right? What another one? England, Canada, Australia. Anybody else? New Zealand. So, see, these are the countries that people would call the Christian nations. But here's the problem of that. In this world that we're living in, England is one of the least Christian nations on the planet. Wow. When we start talking about the largest churches and the fastest growing congregations, we end up in places like China and India. But do you know where the second largest and fastest growing church on the planet is? You ready for this? Afghanistan. So what we've been seeing in the news is really closer to home than we realize, and I'm not talking politically today, I'm talking about the body of Jesus Christ. That there are people in Afghanistan in droves who share the same hope and trust in Jesus that you have who now are suffering for the cause of Christ. It's costing them everything to be a Christian. Now, if you ever study the art of selling anything, you'll find that when you sell something, you should never back down on the quality of your product and your price. Don't you love it when you go somewhere and you're in a sales meeting or maybe you've mistakenly taken one of those $99.99 vacations and it only costs you 12 hours of your day trying to get out of the sales meeting? Come on now. And you only have to tell them no 22 times. But you're there. They're trying to sell you their timeshare deal. And as you sit there saying, no, 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 the biggest problem they mistake, you say, well, what's it cost? And they, they say, well, you know what, we'll get my manager about that. Are you going to look for a car? And you say, "Well, what's that car cost?" And they go, "Well, well, well, well what kind of credit do you have?" And the biggest mistake—the reason people can't sell something—is they're not ready to give their price. Are you ready for this? Their price—that tr- that car is thirty-three thousand five hundred dollars today. That's what you do. Boom. And then you put throw this in. But depending upon your credit, we can see if we can get you some rebates. The difference is you're not ashamed of the price. You're honest about the price. And then you say, but here's the benefits of being prepared for the price. Are you following me? I'm going to be real honest with you about the price of following Jesus. Are you ready for this? This is the price of following Jesus. It costs you everything. Everything. Not one service has rejoiced with that, but it will cost you everything you thought you would ever be, everything you've ever held on to dearly. It will cost you everything, but on the other side of everything, he will take your trinkets that turn to trash and turn it into a life that is full of the treasure of glory in heaven and make things better than you could have ever imagined. See the other side of that? It will cost you everything, but he'll take broken people and give you whole people. It'll take people who are abused and mend them and, and restore them and give them hope. Following Jesus will cost you everything. Matthew 4, 18 is where we've been. You're going to, Pastor, are you going to read this? I'm hoping you're memorizing it. Ready? One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. He says, look, you're at, you're doing what you know how to do. But Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. He says, you've been spending your life doing what you know how to do. Now I'm going to show you how to do what you were created for. That's part of the price. When you're willing to let go of the everything that's been holding you back and believe him for everything he's promised you, he gives you what you were created for. Ashton, why are you so fired up? Because I've already preached this three times. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John's, Sitting in a boat with their father's Zebedee and repairing their nest. Notice this. And he called to them to come and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Listen, they left everything behind. We've been studying really quickly just through these points that where's Jesus going to go? If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to, Jesus is going to find the lost. Remember that? Then we studied when we allow a distance in our following, our relationship to other people will change. And, and how significant that was, that the closer you are to Jesus depends on how you treat other people. And then we studied about this fact that until you make this a personal walk, you're still a spectator. Don't you hate when you have that? Somebody's just along for the ride, but they really don't share in the work. How about this? Last week, you can't pay someone else to follow Jesus for you. Wow. So with that in mind, I go, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I guess I expected more of a better response to the next Scripture and the earlier services, but, but quite frankly, it's still the Word of God. And all Scripture is beneficial for us. Here we go, Revelation 21. You ready? Uh-oh, I heard an uh-oh over there. <laughs> Revelation 21.7, those who are what? Victorious. Those who are what? Those who conquer, those who win, they will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. It doesn't say those who pray a prayer. It says those who give it all they have. Wait a minute. Hold on, Pastor. Listen, you can't start the journey. Only Jesus can start you on the journey. But then he invites you to follow him the rest of the way. But the cowardly, those who really don't believe, the vile, some, some translations say those who think about evil things, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic. Nobody's shouting. Those who worship idols and everybody who tells even white lies shall burn in a lake of fire. Hallelujah. And what's joyful about that? Can I tell you what's joyful about that? I can win. I can inherit the promises. I can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. What's important about that is I don't have to end up where my lifestyle tells me that I've had to end up. I can end up where Jesus says that I can end up, and that means that I change my lifestyle because I make up my mind from this moment forward. Through him, I give him my everything that's trash, and he begins to build treasure in me that can win. Amen. you go, I just, I just don't know. We sang that song, Nothing Can Steal My Hallelujah. That, you know, hogwash. If you've had a bad week, you're like, I just don't feel like praising. Some stole your hallelujah. Uh-uh. Truth. I just don't feel good about myself today. It's not whether or not you feel good about yourself or not. It's not what's wrong with you that matters. It's what's right with Jesus that matters. And that's what gives us the reason to hold on to our hallelujah, that even when I am weak, he is strong. And when I stumble, he will never stumble, and he will never leave me. Now, I'm reminded of a moment in my life that showed me the cost of discipleship. I had this driver in Africa, and I'll, I'll let you guess his name. Uh, every time that he would drop me off at the airport, I, would, I mean, at the hotel a- afterwards, I, uh, after a day's preaching, he'd drop me off, and I'd say, Well, thank you. Thank you very much. What was his name? Elvis. He would roll his eyes. <laughs> you crazy Americans, right? And old Elvis would roll his eyes at me. And I said, one day, Elvis and I'd been driving, we'd been like on an eight hour drive. I'd preached, and a powerful, powerful uh, massive amount of people gave their life to Christ and in spite of opposition. And and, and then we drove like eight hours back. Exhausted. Just exhausted. And Elvis and I are talking, I said, Elvis, tell me your story. I mean, Elvis, tell me how you feel. What's your story? I mean, where, how'd you end up here? How'd you end up driving, you know, preachers around? And Elvis, he said, well, he said, I'm from the north. And when he said, I'm from the north, it let me know something. It let me know that he was from the Muslim-controlled area of the country. He said, and in the north of my country, I was living in a Muslim family. He said, and somebody brought a tract into my community, and somebody shredded it, and God used a shredded tract through to a, to a vision to win me to Christ. I was like, that's a powerful story. Then he went on. He said, but then I went home and my father found out I had converted to Christianity. He said, my dad drugged me out in front of the entire family that he gathered and tied me to the table. He said he had them go and sharpen the family machete. And he had me tied to the table. And he had my arm outstretched as far as it could be stretched. And he said these words. He said, I would rather my son have no hands than to use his hands to promote this gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, with his hands stretched out and them tied to the table, he had fought all he knew how to fight, but there was no movement occurring. They raised the machete. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, well, you have both hands. What happened? He said, all I could tell you is the providence of God as the machete came down, the ropes loosened and my fingers came back. It just this side of my fingers. The machete hit the table. I so said, I was able to use that little bit of leverage to escape from the ropes and I fled across the desert for my life to the south. And I said, What a powerful story. Thank you, Elvis, for telling me that story. Impacted my life. I mean, it makes your, your, what you're going through sound a little different. Not any less difficult on you personally, but a little, I mean, I, just at least, listen, I said, Elvis, it's been a long day. We've been driving and, and we were having to wait for something. And then I said, Elvis, uh, I said, man, we both, to be honest with you, we both could really stand a, you know, a shower and clean up. And said, I'm going to get a shave. And I said, Elvis, I know she hadn't shaved. And, and I said, Elvis, do you, do you have a razor, man? And because he was real clean the first day I'd met him and, and, and he said, well, Pastor, he said, uh, no, sir, I don't. I said, well, pull over the store right here, and I, I just we just went in. We bought him an electric razor. No big deal, right? Give it to him. Elvis starts weeping. I said, Elvis, it's just a razor, dude. Didn't I offend you? <laughs> he said, no. He said, you got to understand, my village has one razor. I pay a little bit of a cent, and I get to use it one time a week. And he said, the the razor that you have given me gives me a career to return back to the north with. So, excuse me? A $100 razor? What are you talking about? He said, no, 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 no. I can feed myself now because they won't feed me. I said, well, why would you go back to where they want to cut your hands off? And he said, well, I've been driving you crazy American preachers around. I've been learning the gospel and how to defend the gospel. And he said, now I'm equipped and I'm ready. And you just gave me the device to fund it. And I'm going back to the north and it might cost me everything. But they too must know this Jesus. So we ask ourselves these questions. We say things like this: We say, "How can how can God love the people of Afghanistan and with what they're going through in the church? How can He love them? Because look at the persecution that they're going through. How 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 is that? Where is God in all of this? And you listen to what I'm about to say, because really what we're saying is, where is God and why do I have pain? I met someone the other day and they said the word atheist, and I said, "Oh, why are they mad at God?". Because there was some reason always that that convinced them that 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 God didn't love them and God didn't care. And I said, Why are they mad at God? Why are they upset at God? And, and, and you know they didn't have an answer at that point. And I said, I'm trust trust me. There's somewhere they're angry at God because they they feel like God exacted too high of a price. But listen to what I'm going to tell you. Every disciple that that lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus. Every one of the twelve paid with their lives to preach the gospel. Paul gave his very head for the cause of the gospel. And we think that somehow because we've gone through something that somehow God doesn't love us and God has forsaken us and God has forgotten our name. No, the reality is, the problem is we're weighing the price against the outcome. And I fear that we've gotten our eyes too much on the world we live in and off of the glory of the heaven we're headed toward. And listen, you said, well, Pastor Don, I I don't know streets of gold. No, 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 that's not heaven. Heaven may have streets of gold, but that doesn't make it heaven. Heaven may have a great rainbow cloud around a a throne but that doesn't make it heaven what makes it heaven is the one who died for me who walks upon those streets who sits upon that throne and one day we shall behold him face to face that's what makes it heaven but who goes those who win so my question is simple what is it costing you to follow jesus What's it costing you to follow Jesus? It's a really innocent question. I thought the first service was going to throw something at me when I asked it early. I was like, that's what happens when you have somebody that at 8 o'clock in the morning. Listen. Pastor Sam got up and read that scripture, and I thought, this shows me that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. Because he didn't know that my point here says this. In the words of King David... That which costs you nothing has no value to you. Wow. What's it costing you to follow Jesus? Following Jesus will cost you financially. It will cost you friends. It will cost you worldly pleasure and other things. Can I get an amen for that? How's it going to cost me financially? Can I just go ahead and tell you that it's going to be like when you don't want to do it the most, that God just speaks to you and says, Bless that person. And you're like, Bless that person, Lord. Bless this person. (laughs) Come on. But God says the key to being blessed is learning to be a blessor instead of blessed. And He says, Give that to that one. Minister to that one. Love that one. When you see a need and you don't do good and you know to do good, it's what? Sin unto you. Don't be mad at me for that statement. That's kind of the word of the living God. (laughs) Or what about when it costs you your friends? Can I tell you something? The friends that you had before Christ should not feel condemned by you, but they ought to feel uncomfortable around the changes in you. Well, Jesus, he was spent time with sinners. Yes, but he also told them the truth while he was with them. And one of two things happened. They never came back or they changed. There's some pleasures of this world you're going to have to stop. Some things that if you do the things that you know the world is doing, then you know you're not showing them Jesus. They're going to have to end. I am too out of shape to run down there and say amen. What? I'm almost done. A gift which costs nothing reveals a lack of love. You ever had somebody say to you, man, you want this? I bought it and it's gross. It's gross. You're like, you just want to share your grossness with me? I mean, I don't get that. Somebody throws something, I hate this, you want it? Well, it's sort of like, what's this? The way that we have to have that pair of shoes with that certain name on it, or maybe let me rephrase, your kids have to have that pair of shoes with a certain name on it. And then you walk up on the porch and they're out in the rain. I mean, you realize that they need a reality check on value. If you can pocket your salvation long enough to participate in the sin that you so boldly do, you need a value check. I have to have a value check. We all have to have a value check. I don't really have time today, but I would encourage you to, to read a book. It's called The Cost of Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, famous German pastor who would end up going and being killed by the Nazis for his devotion to following Christ. But the, the title of the book, if it were translated directly into English, was not The Cost of Discipleship, was The Act of Following. The Act of Following. In this, he he contrasts two things, cheap grace and costly grace. And he says, the problem is this. He said, we have made grace so cheap that people can receive it and then stay the same. the reality is that the price that was paid for your salvation was so great that we should receive it and leave everything behind, our nets, our boats, our lives, no matter what it costs that tries to pull us back to who we used to be, we must leave it behind. Move on towards Jesus. Pastor Don, this will never make you a popular pastor. I frankly gave up on that a long time ago. I heard a pastor make a statement this week, and it, I shared it with Pastor Paul. It shook me to the core of my being. This was his statement. Are you ready for this? He said, he said, I came to a reality. He said, the reality I came to was that if Jesus and I pastored in the same town, my church would be bigger than Jesus's. I was like, what? And he said, yeah, see, people like what I have to say. They didn't like what he had to say. Prayed through that one a lot this week. Costly grace confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. The price you pay honors the price he paid. You cannot earn your salvation. It is the free gift of God. But when you have received it, it is your responsibility to treat it as the treasure of glory. We are but earthen vessels filled with the grace of heaven. We should be careful what flows out of us because of what has flowed to us and in us. Sorry, but that was revelation. Because if I'd said it the way we used to would have said it, I would have put on a Pentecostal voice and shouted that, and the people would be like, preach, preacher, preach. But I said it simple to you. That What flows out of you should be determined by what has flowed to you and into you. You're not the same as you were. Guess what? He's not done yet. We're all growing from glory to glory. We're going from grace to grace, revelation to revelation. We're all becoming what he's called us to be. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you, just don't be satisfied with trinkets. My kids will tell you that, and, and Charlie's probably called onto it the fastest of anybody, is as I'll say this statement, and, it, and it's something that, that he's learned very carefully. I'm watching him as I say this. I'll say, Are you sure that's what you want? Because if he picks some trinket that he wants, and I was going to buy him a true treasure, I will, I'll say, Are you sure? Because so I'm trying to teach him the act of patience and waiting. And are you sure that's what you want? And, and, and he'll be like, yep, that's what I want. And I'm like, are you sure that's what you want? He's like, yep, that's what I want. And, and so after I get it for him, I'll say, I'll say man, I'm, I'm glad you're happy with that because I was going to buy you this. The last time I did it, he went, yep, that's what I want. That's what. I want. Wait, 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 what are you going to buy me? <laughs> you know what? I think most of us are looking at the sin that so easily satisfies our lustful hearts. And God said, are you sure that's what you want? Because I have an anointing for your life. I have a purpose and a calling for you. But it's going to take you paying the price to carry it. Today, as we remember what's happening around the world, I would tell you the words of the persecuted church. Do not pray for us that we would be delivered from our persecution. Pray for us, rather, that we would be faithful in our persecution. We see we're like, how could you allow this to happen to them? When we're really saying, how can bad things happen to me? And God is saying rather to you, Trust me, follow me no matter the cost, and I can fix what you can't fix and restore what you can't restore and heal what you can't heal. I really believe I've given you the words of Jesus this morning. We're going to do this as we end the service in a time of communion. Here's the problem. Pastor Sam, since you've helped me preach my sermon already, come on up here, fast. I love Pastor Sam dearly. He's a wonderful, wonderful associate Isn't he a great, great guy? We love him. And Pastor Sam is not here because of just trivial relationship. We didn't like see each other around town and go, hey. you know, Southern Wave. Or... Hey, man, good to see you, bro. Man, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm running, but good to see you. Uh, uh, hey, y'all doing good? Hey, I'm praying for you. To that surface. But instead, you know where you were standing the first time I met you? Right there. In my seat. <laughs> okay, because I sat over there then, but uh, but you were in my seat, right there. And uh, I remember saying, somebody said, that's, that's Sam, that's Michelle. And I was like, I always wanted to meet them. And say, said, I'd really like to, get to know you more. And you had this little wall of pain and things up. Somehow the wall just broke just enough that we were, watch this, we went from surface to relationship and then, then we began to commune with one another. The communion, we take, well, communion, that's bread and wine and, you know. No, no. Communion means you, you interact with each other. You come into relationship with each other. And I began to hear his fears and his pain, and I shared my fears and my pain. And before long, he showed me his sense of humor. You know, Pastor Sam, that didn't take long and I liked the guy. And then I showed him my sense of humor and he didn't call me for six weeks. I'm just playing. i just playing. No. But the reality is we got to know each other. Thank you, Pastor Sam. I wanted you to know that when we receive communion, it's more than what you thought it was. Really about getting to know what Jesus has done for you. It's really about understanding the significance of the bread and the wine and and understanding that moment. And you should have communion. And if you came in without communion today, I I just uh, uh, quickly, does anybody that didn't get the elements that need some brought to them, I see several on the balcony. But as we receive communion today, I want you to understand this is more about relationship with Jesus. Somebody made this statement over and over again recently. They said, Stephen was the first martyr of the church. Can I tell you they are wrong? Jesus was the first martyr of the church. Because he died to give birth to the church. He died to give us salvation. So what I'm really doing when I come into communion I'm remembering what Jesus has done, what the others have done, but we're all meeting, we all meet at the same place that there's nothing special about me, there's nothing special about you, except that Jesus paid a price for us. And we let go of all the surface and we say we all need Jesus. Here, this is what's important. As we prepare to receive communion today, this is what's utterly the most important. Paul said it this way. He said, I received from the Lord. In other words, God himself told me this. Jesus told me himself what happened on the night he was betrayed, that he took the bread and he broke it. I uh, blessed it. And after he blessed it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. What he was saying there was this, that this represents the strength that you need to win and be victorious. Then at the end of supper, he said this. He said, he took the cup in the same manner. He blessed it, and he would have said, And then he would begin to have blessed the fruit of the vine. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who gives us the fruit of the vine. And as he began to do that, what he was saying was this. In this act of remembrance, I now remember why we have gathered But I also declare to you that this is the new covenant. In other words, he says there's an old way and now there's a new way to do life. He says there's an old way that we used to have to come and now there's a new way to come to God. He said there's an old way, there's a new way and he said because of the blood that I'm shedding for you, you don't have to remain who you were. You can become somebody new. And you can commune with God as his children. Now here's the the kind of the kicker for it all, though. Paul said, but wait a minute before you do that. He said, take a minute to make sure your heart is right with each other before you receive communion. Well, he said, let a man examine himself. Well, you have to look at the whole passage. He's talking about treating each other wrong. So look into your heart and make sure you're not bitter at somebody, you're not angry at somebody, you're not being driven into sin because you're trying to prove somebody wrong, That, that, that you're all these things, and examine your heart that you might know Jesus to the fullness of the relationship that he intends. Because if you can't love his children, you can see, and you can't really love him that you can't see. So I want you to bow your heads in this place. Those who joined us online, God's dealing with you right there where you are as well. Some of you are sick and joining in this morning. This body represents the body that was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, you are healed. But today, as nobody's looking around, I want you to examine your heart for a moment. If you're bitter toward a brother... Bitter toward a sister. Bitter toward parent, pastor, people, a race, your spouse, yourself. Ask God to wash you clean now. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to restore you. Ask God to heal you. And then we will collectively come on even ground. Because if you can't approach when someone else approaches, then you're the one that I'm talking to. Jesus, you see our hearts. You see where we walk and who we are. And Lord, I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Father in heaven, forgive us of all the ways we've treated others wrong. Forgive us for being in wrong relationship with you because we can't be in right relationship with others. Forgive us for harsh words and wrong actions and wrong deeds. And Lord, even give grace to the one who who struggles now. Lord, we understand if they can't proceed, but Lord, those who are willing, let us collectively meet on even ground at Calvary where all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we trade off the trinkets of trash the treasure of glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you would take the bread into your hand for just a moment. And as you take the bread into your hand, I say to you, this represents the body of Christ, that when you are weak, you might be strengthened. When you're weary, that his power would come alongside you to help you be victorious. But today, we don't only receive for ourselves, but in communion, we say, God, may your body strengthen those in the persecuted church. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you may receive the body of Christ. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, it's not that I'm weary and not that I'm tired, but I know that I'm dirty and I'm unclean. The blood of Jesus Christ washes you clean. So today, I declare that this represents the blood of Christ in the new covenant that has been sent to wash you clean and make you whole. And today we receive this in remembrance of the blood that was shed for us. You may receive. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to stand all over this place. Take your candle in your hand, and they're gonna to begin to light them as fast as possible. Please be gracious and light those around you if yours has been lit. Today, each one of these candles represents a family, a person, an individual in Afghanistan who are fleeing for their lives. We thought, how, could, how should we pray for them? And we remembered the words that the living God told us to speak over people on good days and bad days, during the seasons of blessing and the seasons of trial. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And so today, we light these candles in symbolic faith as you declare over the Afghan church this prayer. Your turn to declare. It's your turn to declare. Come on, get ready. We believe his spirit hears our prayer. And do not forget this scripture. It may look like the enemy wins for a season until the Ancient of Days shall be seen and he shall arrive in all of his beauty and all of his glory. Amen. Alright, I want you to blow that out, and here's your assignment. This card says very, very clearly, God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God. Listen to me. This week, we didn't want to just have a moment of this is, let's just pray for Afghanistan. We, come, we, we promise you we're going to stay connected to missionaries like the fishers who are reaching out in that area, who are smuggling those foods in. We're going to help the people that are right on the front lines. But we're going to pray as a church because the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I want to ask you and your family to take this with you. And when you pray, light the candle. And you pray a little bit at of day until this candle can no longer be lit. And you will know it wasn't a, oh, pray for them on a post. It wasn't a trivial moment that you did your part to lift up the body of Christ around this world. May the favor of the Lord be upon you. May his grace shine upon you. And may he turn his face towards you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. Go with God. God bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.
0: That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the Church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.